as you continue uh, your 24 for 24. I concur with Brother Dixon. This, is, this has brought me back to some old landmarks in my life. And uh, if you're not praying and fasting and joining in on this great time of consecration, we invite you to do that. Uh, of course, if you did not know, we have chosen to take the first 24 days of this new year and consecrate ourselves before the Lord in prayer and fasting. We call it 24 for 24 because we believe that if we dedicate and consecrate the first fruits of our year to God, then he will bless that which remains. You believe that? Amen. Amen. You see, it's the, it's the if-then principle. If-then. And I'm going to talk about that in a moment. 2024 is a fresh slate. It's like the chalkboard of life has been wiped clean. Aren't you glad for that? There are no marks on the edges. There are no demerits. There is no eraser residue. It's fresh. Our lives are like a clean piece of composition paper with nothing composed on it yet. The old pages of 2023 have been torn out and there are fresh lines that await words to be written and pictures to be drawn and stories to be told. The Declaration of Independence was written on a plain, clean piece of parchment. The author could have grabbed any old piece, but he grabbed a clean piece. The words that were penned for our nation, later a, a fresh piece of parchment was chosen to write the words that would emancipate slavery. And I could even envision God in the Old Testament carving out clean tablets of stone to write with his finger the great Ten Commandments. And today I want you to know that God longs for a fresh, clean heart to write his name upon. Powerful, life-giving words written on clean, ordinary pages. No, we don't know what all the marks will be in 2024. We don't know what will be said, what will be scribbled, what will be pinned. No doubt we'll, we'll fill our pages with various things, maybe various doodles and stick figures and uh, information and entertaining thoughts. But, but today, while the page is fresh, while the slate is clean, while the surface is pure, I want you to know that there is an opportunity today to let the pen of the author and the finisher of our faith be the first to make an impression on our hearts. I'm not going to speak for you this morning, but my spirit is ready for a new day. My spirit longs for things that I have a hard time even putting words to. Things like forgiveness and restoration and salvation and revival and anointing and power. My heart and my soul thirst for more of God. My spirit hungers and thirsts for things that I cannot explain. And yet I can't satisfy that longing with ordinary things. You can't feed your spirit a new car. You can't, you can't feed your spirit a new house or more stuff. No, the temporary things of this life will not satisfy the eternal desires of our spirit. Mm. So that's why we're here. We've come to put aside the temporary the temporal fleshly things in order to consecrate ourselves to the Lord. We're here to let our God know that we are more concerned that his will be done in 2024 than our own. Amen. We're here to lay aside some things so that he might do a work in us that we could not do for ourselves. It's time for God's kingdom to be advanced. It's time for his agenda to be moved forward. It's time for his spirit to be poured out. We're here today to acknowledge that it's not our will, but it's his will that we desire to see done. Why? Because we have loved ones that need to be saved. 
We have a community that needs to be shown the love and mercy of Almighty God. There are bodies and minds that need to be healed. I'm not so much interested in a new song. I'm not so much interested in a new style. Not so much interested in a new agenda, but I'm interested in consecration. We're here today to say that we are not our own, but we have been bought with a price. Mm. I want you to understand that we have a promise today that if we consecrate, then our God will answer. It's that if-then principle, right? So here's my text today because you thought I forgot about it. I didn't. Here it is. It's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse number 14, where God tells his people, he says, if, everybody say if, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, everybody say then, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. If, then, if, then. What's God asking us to do in this scripture? He's saying, humble yourself. He's saying, pray. He's saying, seek my face. Turn from your wicked ways. What's he asking? He's asking his people and you and I to consecrate ourselves unto him. And if we do that, he says, then and only then will I hear from heaven, will I forgive your sin, and will I heal your land. The first thing that we need to understand today about consecration is that consecration is a choice. Nobody can make you consecrate. Nobody can make you push back the plate. Nobody can make you turn off the TV. Nobody can make you, can make you put down the electronic device. No, nobody can make you do those things. You have to decide to do them on your own. Because God said, if, then. Consecration defined is simply this, service to set something apart for the exclusive service of God. It means to anoint, to set something aside for special use. You know, some things are consecrated for special use. The Old Testament tabernacle, there were utensils and furnitures that items that they, that they were consecrated things. God said, I don't want you to use these things for any other purpose other than ministering in the tabernacle. These, these items have been set apart. They've been consecrated. The Bible tells us that Aaron and his sons were set apart to minister in the tabernacle. The Bible tells us that their garments were given to consecrate them. They were separated from everybody else so that they might be able to minister and do the work of the Lord. And I got to tell you, consecration today works the same for you and I. Don't tell me that you're out mowing the lawn on a hot summer day. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to bring us back to some hot summer days today. I, I feel like I'm doing you a favor. Don't tell me that you're out mowing the lawn on a hot summer day and you come in and you're all hot and sweaty and you're tired and you go, you, you go over to where mom keeps the fine china. And you reach in there and you grab a piece of crystal and you pour your Diet Coke into that glass, right? No, you, you don't do that. You, you don't do that. You go grab the plastic cup with the faded reds logo on it, you know? Yeah. Why, and, and it's worn off and, it, and it's, just a, it's an old cup, right? Why? Why do I do that? Why don't I go grab mom's crystal glasses? Because mom's crystal ware is consecrated. It's set apart for special use, right? It's set apart for a special time. My plastic cup might be comfortable, but what's consecrated is valuable. And we don't use mom's crystal every day, but there will come a time when my plastic cup isn't going to be appropriate. 
And so I want you to know today that there are times when what's comfortable for me is less important than what's valuable to me. Oh, you ought to write that down. And I got to tell you, spiritually speaking today, I'm not as interested in adding comfort to my life as, I- as much as I am adding value to my life. Lord, help me to understand that there are some things of value that are available to me, but I might have to forfeit some of my comfortable to get them. Mm, that's consecration. That's consecration. I'm consecrating myself because I'm not looking for something that makes me feel better. I'm looking for something that just makes me better. I'm not looking for something that makes me feel good. I'm looking for something that just makes me good. And God is looking to set you and I apart for his glory today. From the very beginning, God has always desired a consecrated people. In Exodus chapter 11, God tells Moses that he's about to bring the final plague of death onto Egypt. The firstborn of every house is going to die. And God made a provision for his people. Look what God says, Exodus 11 and verse number 6. The Bible says, and there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it anymore. But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast. Why? That ye may know how that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. Look at your neighbor and say, we're different. Some of y'all are real different, but, but, but we're all, we're all different. What's God saying here? He's letting Moses know, Moses, I'm getting ready to deliver you. I'm getting ready to do a great and mighty thing among you. I'm getting ready to show everybody the difference between you and the society and the culture that is around you. But before I do that, Moses, I'm going to need you to do something for me. I need you and the people, Moses, to sanctify and consecrate yourself unto me. How are we going to do that, God? Well, he goes on in chapter 12 to institute what would later become known as the Passover. Yeah. He says, kill a lamb without spot of the first year. Take the blood and strike it on the doorpost. Roast that lamb with fire and eat it with your loins girded and with your staff in your hand. Brother Sizemore, all of that seems to be a bit unnecessary, doesn't it? No, 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 no. Don't miss this today. Because when God gets ready to do something great in the earth, he requires his people to obey him and consecrate themselves unto his purpose. And for those who do obey and do what God requires, there is life, there is blessing, and there is promise. A little bit later on in the book of Numbers chapter 6, we find that God institutes a plan for those that desire to be consecrated vessels unto his service. God wanted to give them a law that would allow them, if they desired, to go deeper in him. God wanted to make a provision for any person who wanted to draw closer to him to be able to do that. And so, in number six, he provides a way for a person to be able to separate themselves in order to get closer to God, and it became known as the law of the Nazarite. The law of the Nazarite. Number six and verse one, the Lord spake unto Moses saying, speak unto your children, the children of Israel and say unto them, when either man or woman shall separate themselves to vow a vow of the Nazarite to separate themselves unto the Lord. That word Nazarite comes from a Hebrew word, Nazir. It means to set apart, to set apart from the world and to set apart unto God. It's separation from the world and separation unto God. Now while it's true that Israel was indeed God's chosen people, it was also true that they were a fickle people. Mm, They were. 
I mean, one day they loved and worshiped God, and it seemed like the next day they were worshiping idols. They'd go back to God, they'd get right with God, and then they'd run back out there and start doing whatever else they wanted to do. And then they'd run back to God when things got hard, when things got difficult, and when life kicked them in the teeth, and, and they didn't know where to go and what to do. And then, and then when they got good with God, after a little while, they'd begin to drift off a little bit, and they'd run out, and that sounds like, that sounds like some of us, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, I want to get with God when things get hard, but then when everything settles down, I'm going I'm to drift off and do my own thing. That's what they did, back and forth, back and forth. And because of this, God needed a representative conscience. God needed a standard bearer. He needed somebody who said, I don't want to be inconsistent anymore. I, I, don't, I don't want to be status quo. I'm not interested in just being what everybody else is going to be, but I want more of God. God was looking for somebody who was willing to be consecrated so that they can make a difference in the world that was around them. Let me just pause here this morning and say, even still today, God is looking for someone or someones among his people who's willing to step up amidst a world that is in decay and make a difference. God desires somebody who will seek him with all of their hearts. He longs for somebody that will hunger and thirst after his righteousness. He's looking for a heart that will be willing to consecrate to him. The people that took this Nazarite vow were people who were determined that they were going to separate unto God's holy purpose. They were the people that amidst the fickleness of the world and amidst the back and forth in, in the middle of, of moral decay and spiritual indecisiveness, they were going to be the ones that would dare to be different. They were going to be the ones that would dig their heels in and anchor themselves on the principles of the Word of God. They would be the ones that would stand for righteousness when the rest of the world stood for unrighteousness. They would stand for good when the rest of society seemed to stand for evil. And what did these participants of the Nazarite vow find out? When they consecrated themselves to God, they found out that when you stand for right, you can expect a fight. When you stand for right, it isn't going to be easy. When you stand for righteousness, the devil's going to come against you. How many have found that to be true over the last couple of weeks of this consecration? I try to stand for right. I try to do what's right. I try to consecrate. And it just seems like I get, like I get hungrier and hungrier. Brother Sizemore, did you know that if you don't eat in a couple of days, you start getting really hungry? Really? Yeah, that's kind of the idea, right? Yeah, when I try to stand up for right, it, 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 the devil's going to come against me. Things are going to fight against that because there are, there, are, there, are war, there are powers that are at war in the spirit realm. My flesh is at war with my spirit. My flesh doesn't want to do the right thing. My flesh doesn't want to come under subjection to the things of God. My flesh doesn't want to be put down in a corner, and yet it has to be put down in a corner in order for my spirit to rise. There were three specific components that made up this Nazarite vow. All three of these things were really, really important, but I, I really just want to talk about two of them today if we could. The first thing that I want to point out about this Nazarite vow was that those who consecrated themselves via this vow were not allowed to go anywhere near grape products. Some of y'all would have said, I'm out, <laughs> right there. No grape soda, no grape juice, I'm out. No raisins, I'm out, <laughs> right? Yeah. They could not, they couldn't, they couldn't pick grapes. They couldn't eat grapes. They couldn't drink grape products, right, which was prevalent in that time. They couldn't even think about grapes. They couldn't touch grapes. They couldn't do anything. Why not? What's the big deal with grapes? I thought God created grapes. I thought they were fruit. I, I, what's the big deal? 
Well, it was really about more of what it symbolized, right? It was because grapes represented something that God said you need to get under control. Grapes represented celebration and pleasure. Celebration and pleasure. And God said, if you want to draw nearer to me, and if you want to be closer to me, and if you want to consecrate yourself to me, then you must be willing to deny yourself celebration and pleasure. You must be willing to temporarily put aside the pleasures of this flesh in order to please the Spirit. Now you'll recall in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, You'll recall the scripture says, wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, everybody say weight, and the sin, everybody say sin, which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now I bring this passage up right here because I want to point out something about sin and weights. The writer of Hebrews, most to believe would have been Paul, he doesn't lump sin and weights together. He lists them out separately. And there's a reason for that. This tells me that weights and sins aren't always the same thing. And so it's important to understand the difference. While it's true that all sins are weights, not all weights our sin. I'm going to say that again. All sin is most definitely a weight, but not all weights are necessarily sin. We're going to get to sin in a minute, but let me, let me start with the weights. Weights are those things that provide resistance. They hinder us from achieving our goals. Weights are those extra things. Right? Now, they may not be bad necessarily. They may not be evil necessarily. They just might not be necessary. And if I'm not careful, I can allow unnecessary weights to keep me from the things that God has in my life. I wonder if it could be today that the reason some of us can't seem to gain any traction in our spiritual lives is because we're holding on to too many weights. I wonder if it could be that the reason that you can't seem to get to another level in the spirit is because you're hindered by some unnecessary weights that you're carrying. The things that I'm engaging in that aren't necessarily bad things, but they might be things that can, sometimes unbeknownst to me, hinder the work and word of God in my life. And that's why God said, if you're going to consecrate to me, be careful to steer clear of the grapes. Be careful to steer clear of the weights. It's, it's, God's, it, it's saying, Lord, I'm willing to lay aside some temporary pleasures of this life in order to seek the eternal pleasures that only come through your hand. It's weights. Weights. It's providing resistance. It's, it's, it's hindering me. It, it's, it's, it's the, it's the, literally, it's the old ball and chain. I'm not talking about her, guys. I'm talking about the, 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 the actual ball and chain, right? And I can't, I can't get very far. And I can't go to where I want to go because I'm dragging this weight on my leg and my ankle. And I, I've got these things in my life that I can't, I just can't seem to put down and I just can't seem to get rid of. And I, it's keeping me from doing what God wants me to do. And it's keeping me from being what God wants me to be. Can I remind you today that Jesus Christ came to break every chain? God wants to do away with that thing that's keeping you from being what he's called you to be. God wants you to lay aside some things that you don't need to be carrying around with you because they're keeping you from what God wants to do in your life. And I've got to be willing to 
Say, God, I'm going to lay down every weight. I'm going to lay down those unnecessary things. I'm going to lay down the stuff that might not be bad stuff, but it might not be conducive to me getting to where you want me to go. God, help me to lay down some weights. Some of y'all said, I'm going to lose weight in 2024. Yeah, well, maybe literally and spiritually. Yeah, yeah. I always start out every new year. This is the year. I'm going to do it. I'm joining the gym. I'm joining the gym. Do they have a snack bar at the gym? That's the gym. That's the gym. Mm. I don't work out well unless I eat pancakes before. I got to... I'm working it up, I'm working it up. Every year I say, this is it. This is the year I'm going to do it. And I'm still working on it. I'm still laying aside some weight, all right? It's a process, all right? Be patient, okay? And listen, laying aside some spiritual weights sometimes can be a process. Sometimes it takes time. It takes diligence. It takes perseverance. I'll tell you what it takes. It takes commitment. Yeah, it takes consecration. That's why I need consecration because consecration is all about laying aside those weights. It's about laying aside those unnecessary things so that God can bring me closer to him. And I want more of God. And I'm willing to refrain from some things so that I can give him my full attention. Mm. The second thing I want to point out about this Nazarite vow, not only did they have to stay away from grapes, but for those that consecrated themselves via this vow, the consecrated individual could not, they, they couldn't come in contact with death. They couldn't come in contact with death. They couldn't, they couldn't go near a dead body. Now, remember, Hebrews, Paul, he said, lay aside the, the weights, but he also said, lay aside the sin. Yeah, let's talk about sin for a moment. We've talked about weights. See, he said, no grapes, no pleasures. And now they could not go near death. No death and no sin. God said, not even if it's your own father or mother, if your brother or sister, you, you can't even go to their funeral. It was a pretty radical thing. What did it signify? What was the significance of not going near any death? Well, Paul writes to the Roman church in Romans 6 and tells them the wages of sin is death. Death is the result of sin. The Old Testament Nazarite vow said, don't go near death. Paul came along and said, lay aside that sin. Sin and death. Sin and death. Forever married together in, 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 in sentence. Forever, forever put together. Death, the result of sin. And God says, if you're going to be consecrated to me, then I'm going to need you to separate yourself from some dead things. Mm. Separate yourself from the pleasures of the flesh. Lay aside those weights and then separate yourself from the dead things of this world. Put down that sin. When Mary Magdalene came to the tomb of Jesus, Bible says she was met by an angel and he asked her this question. He said, Mary, why are you looking for something? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? In other words, Mary, why are you looking for something that's full of life in a graveyard. Yeah, that's like shopping for power tools in the produce section. Some of you are like, what? No, you don't buy produce at the hardware store, right? I appreciate your effort, but you're in the wrong place, right? So why would you search for spiritual life and spiritual fulfillment in the things of this world?
I mean, I, I appreciate that you're searching, but you're searching in the wrong place. Can I just remind us today that we are new creatures in Christ? Can I remind us today that old things are passed away and behold, all things have become new? Can I remind us today that if we're born again of water and of spirit, that there is nothing in this old world that can truly satisfy your soul? You're looking for joy and peace and fulfillment in a world full of depression and aggravation. You're looking for satisfaction in a world that is full of emptiness. You're looking for life in a world that is full of death. It's time to separate yourself from the dead things that are around you. Mm. It's time to lay aside that sin. Time to lay aside that thing that God said, no, you don't need to touch that. You don't need to do that. You don't need to be mixed up with that. It's time to consecrate and lay it aside. Some of us here today need to cut off that dead relationship. Some of us here today need to quit beating that horse because it's dead. Some of us need to, need to walk away from that dead situation, get out of that dead-end job. You need to get rid of that, those possessions that are putting you in contact with spiritual death. Because Jesus Christ did not come so that we might somehow endure death. No, Jesus Christ came and defeated death so that we might rise and walk in newness of life. He didn't come so I could waller around in my confusion. He didn't come so I could waller around in my depression. No, he came that I might have life and that I might have life more abundantly. It is not the will of God for you to cope. It's the will of God for you to be delivered. It's not the will of God for you to just get through. If I could just make it. If I could just, if I could just get to where the Lord wants me to go. God said, no, lay down that sin because I've already defeated the enemy. I've already given you victory. You're more than a conqueror. You can, not only can you make it, but you've already made it. You've just got to walk in it. Ah, oh, before God could do a great work, he had to have somebody that would prepare the way. I said before God could follow through with his plan, before he could manifest himself to his people, he had to have somebody who was willing to consecrate themselves to prepare the way. Think about that for a moment. There were only three known individuals mentioned in the Bible who participated in this Nazarite vow. There were only three people that mentioned in the scripture. I'm sure there were others, but the Bible only talks about three. The first one was Samson. Samson came on the scene. Israel had been in bondage to the Philistines for 40 years. God wanted to deliver his people. He wanted to bring his people out of Philistine bondage, but he needed, before he could do that, just like he told with Moses, before I can do it, I need somebody who's willing to consecrate themselves. And so God provided Samson, who took the Nazarite vow, and he wouldn't go near grapes, and he wouldn't cut his hair, that was the second thing, and, and he wouldn't go near death. When Samuel came on the scene, Samuel was the second that was recorded as being a participant in this Nazarite vow. When Samuel came on the scene, there was a corrupt priesthood. God needed to change the order of things. He, he needed to deliver his people spiritually. He needed, but he needed somebody who would consecrate. He needed somebody that would set themselves apart. And so he called a young child by name, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, here am I, Lord. Here am I, Lord, what would you do? What would you have me to do? Let me tell you, God's looking for some Samuels in this house today. Yeah. 
Yeah. The third person that is known to have taken this Nazarite vow was John the Baptist. After 400 years of silence, God wants to come to the earth himself. He wants to reckon and, and, and the, the charge, if you will, once and for all. But before he could do that, he needed somebody to consecrate. He needed somebody to prepare ye the way of the Lord. And so he sent a consecrated man by the name of John to prepare the way with a message of repentance. And John the Baptist, he, he was a wild man. He, he, he preached under repentance and he baptized under repentance. And when he saw Jesus come up over the hill on that afternoon, he just instinctively knew by the Spirit that he was the one. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Today, Jesus Christ is setting the stage to return to this earth once again. His desire is to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. His desire is to return for a bride that is without spot and without wrinkle. He wants to put an end to Satan and his evil devices once and for all. But just as he has in times past, I believe that God is looking for somebody who's willing to consecrate themselves unto him before his return. A people that would set themselves apart from the world and set themselves apart unto God. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know today that I believe that if we're going to see the promises of God fulfilled in our lives, and if we're going to see the promises of God fulfilled at the Tree of Life Church, and if we're going to see the promises of God fulfilled in our families and in our community, then we are going to have to understand that it will not come without a fight. It will not come without somebody who's willing to consecrate themselves before the Lord. Somebody who's willing to lay aside the sin, who's willing to lay aside the weights that might so easily beset them. Why? Because you can't run the race properly, Paul said, unless you lay those things aside. He said, you're going to lay aside some weights. You're going to lay aside some sins that so easily beset you so that you can run the race with patience. And some of y'all can't run the race because I've got sin and I've got weights. And I'm trying to run. I'm trying to, 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 to keep the faith, finish the course, as Pastor preached about a couple of weeks ago. I'm trying to fight that good fight, but I can't seem to make any progress. I can't seem to make any ground. I, I can't seem to win. I can't seem to, 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 to get it done. Why? God says you're going to have to consecrate. You're going to have to lay aside those things. You're going to have to lay aside. The promises of God aren't just going to happen because we want them to. No, somebody's going to have to be willing to humble themselves. Somebody's going to have to be willing to pray. Somebody's going to have to be willing to seek the face of God. Somebody's going to need to turn from their wicked ways and consecrate themselves before the almighty God. And if we do, oh, if we do, I don't even want to think about if we don't, but if we do, then... See, it's if then. If I consecrate, then God can move. If I consecrate, then God will forgive my sin. If I consecrate, then he will show up and he'll heal my land. Some of you are wondering why your land hasn't been healed yet. I've got to challenge you today. Have you consecrated yourself to him? Because if you don't consecrate, then all bets are off. He's not promising any healing if there is no humility. He's not promising any deliverance if there is no laying aside, setting aside consecration. But he says, if my people, if my people, who's his people? 
Well, we call ourselves the people of the name. We, we like to tout that we're the people of God. So I guess he's talking to me. I guess he's talking to you. I guess he's talking to the Tree of Life Church when he says, if my people, which are called by my name, that's us, if they will humble themselves. Oh God, let me humble myself. Better me to humble myself than for God to humble me. Oh, somebody hear that today. If I'll humble myself and if I'll pray. Brother Sizemore, that's all we do around here is pray. That's all we need to do. What good is my worship if I don't pray? What good, is the, what good is the sermon if I don't pray? What good is my life and my walk with God if I never find an altar and bow my knee and seek his face? But if my people, oh, they'll humble themselves, they'll pray. And if they'll turn from their wicked ways, what's he talking about? Laying aside those sins, laying aside those weights that so easily beset you. God said, if you'll, if you'll do that, then I will hear your prayer. I will hear from heaven and I will forgive your sin and I'll heal your land. Do you want your land to be healed in 2024? Come on, do we want our households to be healed in 2024? Do you want your body to be healed in 2024? Then you ought to consecrate. Do you want your sins to be forgiven in 2024? Then you ought to consecrate. Do you want the yoke to be destroyed and the chains to be loosed? Then you ought to consecrate today. If you think you might be ready to consecrate yourself to the Lord, why don't you lift your hands with me right now all across this house and say, God, I'm willing. God, I'm willing to humble myself. God, I'm willing to pray. I'm willing to seek your face. I'm willing to open up your word, God, and let you speak to me in a way that I've never seen it before. Oh, if you're willing to consecrate today. Moses said, who will choose life through consecration? You can come today. Who will sanctify yourself? Joshua said, who will sanctify yourself today that God might do a great work tomorrow? Nehemiah said, who will consecrate to rebuild the walls of the city? Solomon said, who's willing to consecrate his service this day to the Lord? John the Baptist said, who's willing to consecrate in repentance? Jesus asked, are you willing to consecrate in water baptism? Peter asked, who will be consecrated by allowing themselves to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And even Paul said, who's going to set themselves apart for the sake of the gospel? Who will consecrate yourself to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. And so I come with the charge today of all this generation, who will be willing to consecrate? Today, if you're willing, I want you to come to this altar and I want you to lift your hands and I want you to bow your knee and say, God, I'm here to lay aside some sin. I'm here to lay aside some weights. I'm here to do away with the things that hinder you in my life. God, I need more of you. Oh God, I, I gotta repent of my sin. I've gotta lay aside those things, God. God, I've got to push back the plate. God, I've got to turn that thing off. I've got to separate myself. I've got to be set apart. God, I'm not entitled. Come on, right where you are today. Come on, I want you to bow your head. I want you to lift your hands. I want you to speak in your heart today. God, I'm ready. I'm ready for revival. I'm ready for healing. I'm ready for something greater.
but I've got to consecrate myself. God, I'm ready for a new day. I'm tired of going year after year with the same old thing. God, I'm ready to do the business of consecration. who will cry out to him today, who will seek him while he may be found. God, I want to consecrate. God, I'm sorry.
Come here.